You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Alright, how we doing folks? Welcome to Self-Worst First episode of February 2022 We made it through the longest month of the year And now we're in just another kind of crappy month. At least it's short. But I don't know. We still got to pay the same amount of rent. Which doesn't seem fair to me. Hi, I'm Brad Pearson. I'm sitting inside. Because that's all that we can do now. Uh, Again, still snowy out. Can't... I feel like... Even if you're trying to do the thing where you're like, you know, hanging out outside, you can't do that now. It's all been like, and, and most most of those little shacks, those little outdoor shack pod things, the dining pods, the outdoor things, those are, they, they don't even fucking try that anymore. Now that it's snowed, forget it. We're just in that slush, that gray slush. You want to talk about a movie that really nailed the tone of February? That's Groundhog Day. It's gonna be gold. It's gonna be cold. It's gonna be gray. It's gonna be the rest of your life, like that line. He steps in that like gray puddle of black water, and you're like, "Yeah, that's that's it, baby. That's this month. Sucks." Apologies to anybody who uh, I don't know. This is their birth month. If that matters to you, seems like it'd be kind of a bummer. I was born during a very nice month. But I mean, it's September, so it also has, you know, we have, we got the 9-11 too, so that did kind of put a little spot on our month too. But I also, you know, you know me, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Birthstones and charts. And, oh, it's the year of the tiger. That's cool. I mean, what's not to like about that? tigers I don't know I got nothing folks nothing for this intro really I I'm sitting here I'm 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 in my robe I just took a shower because like we're in that part of the winter where like you work outside and you can layer properly but like you're just gonna get gross no matter how waterproof they make those snow boots, they're gonna pick up a little bit of that sludge, and then your feet are sweating in the snow boots. It's just a bad scene. So I shower after work, 
because I like to be a clean boy. Put my hair up in a turby twist. Put on some Kenny G. Relax. After a long day's work. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my late 30s. That's how I unwind. This week, we're talking to my new friend, Trey Galleon. I've met him a couple times, you know, just traipsing around New York comedy scene. Um, and we finally got to sit down and talk. Nice dude. What, he's got one of those uh, real chill auras that I'm always very envious of. As a pretty... Uh, I want to say I'm not a type A person but I am high strung I somehow have all the anxiety but none of the like productivity and punctuality of an anxious person none of the Particularness, the, the perspicacity. Is that a word? Is that the right word? I don't know. I'm making shit up. But I'm always low-key a little bit. Ugh, aggravated. Angry. Or irritated. Or anxious. Or like just flat-out panicking. People like Trey who are just, they just got that chill vibe. Just a chill vibe. I envy it, but it, it and it's something that I can, you, you can emulate it, but you just, you have it or you don't. It's just a trait. It's just in you or it's not. And he's got that. So, we had a good talk though. And we got real, dude. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk a lot about death. Hope you're ready for that one. Hope you're ready for a long, stark uh, meditation on death in the middle of sludgy black snow winter. That's the vibe, baby. That we're at for this uh, this episode this week. That's it. That's all I got for the intro. You know all you need to know. I'm Brad Pearson. I'm an idiot. I'm talking to Trey Galley. He's, he's a chill guy. We talk about death. Boom. That's it. I could have just made the whole intro just that. But I've been going on for like five minutes. Oh, well. All right. Um, I'm going to see you on the other side of the interview. We'll do, you know, we'll do the plugs and all this stuff. Maybe I should do that now because nobody fucking listens to any, like nobody listens to the tail end of a podcast. Come on. Let's be real. Unless you're like driving and you can't reach over and, or you're, you're on your bike, which I don't recommend, uh, listening to a podcast on your bike, you know, cause you want, you want to be present, but I do it. I don't fucking care about my life, but you can't be pulling your phone out of your pocket on your bike and switching, you know, just like, oh, it's time for the next episode. Oh, dead. But unless you're doing that, then you're not such a captive audience member. 
and you'll probably just skip over the tail end where I tell you to follow me at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst. Patreon.com slash Selfworst. Help me out. We got bonus content. We got bonus episodes. Blah, blah, blah. Little as a dollar a month. You won't even notice. You sign up once. Do it. How about this? Do it when you're drunk or something or just like in bed in like that fugue state in the morning when you're just sort of scrolling on your phone and you haven't gotten up out of bed do it at a time you won't remember and then it you just sign up and it'll just take one little dollar out of your account every month and you'll just be like eh, i go about my life doesn't matter what's a dollar who gives a shit anyway you could do that that would help us out all right now we're going to the interview. I'll, I'm still going to do an ending thing. See on the other side of the, you know. You know the format of this show. You know how a podcast works. This is not the first fucking podcast you've ever listened to. Don't play dumb with me. All right. I love you. Sorry I take a stern tone with you sometimes. It's not hostility let's talk to Trey goodbye but um, I'm glad I finally got you on the show man because um, you know uh, you're you're a funny guy and uh, I, I don't actually know a whole lot about you so uh, this is going to be you know this is going to be a getting to know you thing is just as much of, as anything else so um, Perfect. I'm, I'm excited are you excited very yeah yeah. Um, do you have any uh, uh, questions, concerns? You got you got goals for this uh, for this conversation? No, not at all. I mean, you know, you sent me the list of uh, questions that you might ask, and mm-hmm. and so I skimmed over them, and and nothing like super duper popped out at me as like I want to talk about this. It was more like, yeah, I'm open for all this stuff. So. I mean, yeah, take it where you want to, and we'll see where it goes from there. You know, well, my answers may take it somewhere else. Yeah, man, um, I'm ready. Let's let's begin at the beginning. Let's give uh, right. a, a, a Trey Galleon a little bit of an origin story. Uh, who you are, where you come from, and uh, yeah, what made you who you are. Yeah. All right. Oh, you want me to say all that right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I was. Um, Kind of from all, I'm kind of from all over the place. Uh, I've lived in New York for the past since 08, mm-hmm. the past 12 years, something like that. Uh, and uh, no, 14 almost now. Wow. Okay, so anyway, but was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Heard of it? Yep. Then when I was two, we moved to Lexington, Kentucky for uh, a year. And then Orlando, Florida for a year. And then right before first grade, we moved to uh, Warminster, Pennsylvania. It's right outside of Philly and lived there through eighth grade. And then my freshman year of high school, we moved down to Austin and uh, lived there. Was all, I that, moved was up all here. that moving around uh, kind of tough as a kid, like making friends and all of that stuff? Because I was lucky enough to have just like a very stationary life. Like a, a, my, my parents still have the fucking house I grew up in. It's crazy. 
I know I'm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you don't you don't really think about it. I mean, yeah. the I will say you know, especially when you're younger. Uh, but like that first grade through eighth grade in Philly, you know, that's kind of the formative years and you build some pretty good friendships mm -hmm. then. So, you know, when my folks were like, well, we're moving to Texas, I wasn't ecstatic about it. You know, yeah. all the moves before then I was too young. It was just like, oh, OK, well, yeah, that's where we're going next. Yeah. You know, um, so so that one wasn't super thrilled about. But then, you know, we moved to Texas and and. I mean, yeah, I've got friends there that, you know, I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, and is that uh, what still feels like? I don't talk is... to nobody from Warminster no more. <laughs> is that what more feels like home then is, is, is Texas. You feel like, oh, Texas... I mean, kind of, sort of, but that's yeah. also the weird thing is like, you know, it, none of it feels the places that feel more like home to me are, um, Bridgeport, Connecticut, where my mom grew up, and Knoxville, Tennessee, where my dad grew up, because mm -hmm. those were the constants. No matter where we moved, you know, we always went to one of those two places for holidays and stuff, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know. Um, and then Tennessee now more so just because, you know, that's where mom and my brother are, mm -hmm. uh, are back in Knoxville. W who would you say was more of like an influence on you growing up, your mom or your dad? I mean, they both were, but dad was, you know, a little more of just because, you know, that's my dad right. and I'm a dude. Right. I'm his son. I'm named after him. Uh, you know, I'm a third. Um, so, yeah. And he was kind of the head of standard head of the household kind of thing, you know. But, um, you know, I'm I'm a little more like my mom, mm. you know. Mm. Are so. you an, you're an only only child? No, uh -uh. I have an older sister, a sister that's uh, sixteen months older than me, and then a brother that's three years younger than me. So I'm okay, a kid. but you got to, you got to have the, the 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 family name, which Trey is like. I don't know if that's a. Um, it's not. It's because I'm the third. Oh. Um, but I'm the first son, so right. You know, right. I got the family name. Right. <laughs> um. Do I have this right? You're you're a motorcycle guy, right? I just bought my first motorcycle uh, I thought last I, yeah, year. I thought I, I thought I saw you on one. Uh, what kind of bike uh -huh. do you have? I got a Triumph Bonneville. Hell yeah, that's a sick bike. It is. It's a ninety. Uh, or I'm sorry, it's a O3. So it's that retro. The the Bonneville they've kept that retro styling on. Yeah, I like how like it's that's sort of my style of bike. I mean money aside like i i had a bike for a hot minute but i just it was a money pit i couldn't afford it and just had to sell it um, yeah but like if i am am ever in a place where i can actually like afford to keep and maintain a a, a bike i would i would love to have another one but i had a um a honda cb 360 for a while but it was like old as fuck it was like from the 70s and like the head gasket went and then the brakes went and you need those yes um, and i was just like i am not qualified to fix any of this shit i don't like it's hard to take it to a mechanic because they don't know like 70s bikes and i was just like you know what fuck this shit like i can't but like um what was it that first got you into uh motorcycling stuff was it was it a family thing was it was it pops i mean not really but he did 
um, have like three different, he had a scooter and two different motorcycles when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of that really ever came up much growing up, you know, cause he never talked about it and there's no pictures of him on motorcycles or anything yeah. like that, you know, it wasn't, um, but it was just one of those things. Like I've always dug them and, you know, I've had friends, you know, with motorcycles and I've ridden theirs, but never proper owned one and things like that. And so, um, yeah, because in Austin, you really want to have air conditioning in your car. You don't, yeah. I mean, a motorcycle is fine sometimes, but I'm poor and couldn't afford two things. So a motorcycle or a car with air conditioning, well, I'm taking the car with air conditioning. Right. <laughs> and yeah. then moving up here, didn't think about, thought about it for a little while, but always lived in a place where parking would be real tough mm-hmm. and didn't want to mess with it. But then moved to bed where I'm at now. And it's, you know, I live on one of the floors in a brownstone. So we have a courtyard and nice. I was like, I could pike a bark, park a bike, park, I a, bike. park yeah. a bike there when I need to. And, uh, and then, so yeah, started, uh, you could also pike a bark there. Yeah. But, you could pike a bark. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, those leather jackets are pretty cool, but like if you, you know, you think about that in like a hot Texas sun, situation and it's just not so well not then so driving great, you know even yeah. when you roll your windows down in the summer all you're doing it's just like yeah, you're putting making a, a little, fan in front of an oven yeah you're making a little convection oven in your car right. it's it's bad right yeah. that's yeah. the thing they don't they don't really tell you about all of that stuff you know it's just like oh it, it looks really cool in the movies and it's sexy as hell but they don't really tell you how like sweaty and uncomfortable it really is um, you know, when you're like trying to like bike on like a hot day, it's like, it's like, this is not, or, or yeah. when it's cold and your hands go numb and shit, like also not fun. So I don't know. It's, it, it really is contingent on very, you know, pleasant, placid weather, which it doesn't always happen, you know? No, which is kind of the fun of it. You know, like I've gotten stuck out in the rain, dude, me and my girlfriend went to eat at the diner over in queens and as soon as we walked out the door these fat drops started and you could see this storm rolling in and it was um so by the time we got on the bike and got out into the street it had really started and then before we even got to the first light it started hailing too oh no yeah man (laughs) it's Oh, dude, at that point, it was like, well, let's just keep going. And then we had to get on part of the Grand Central Parkway, too. Did, you, you know, did which your is helmet highway. have a like a face mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, totally. so you weren't just like getting pelted in the face. No, but okay. I wasn't wearing a full face. So I just had a visor that came down. <laughs> right. So my chin was getting smacked. Um, <laughs> and then. So it was just how was like your girlfriend those, doing during all of this? She was just she was on hanging on <laughs> and just but there was like a lady at the light that started laughing at us at one point. And um, and then it was just like the first puddle we went through. Yeah. My feet were soaked completely. Oh. And then by the time we got back to her house, I mean, everything was just soaked. Yeah, know? but it, you and know what? Like dryer, but that, we went through it. You went through it. And honestly, we didn't die. It makes travel a much more it makes you much more conscious of the journey when you're in your little air-conditioned car which is nice right. um 
you're just sort of like going in a little comfortable pod where you sit and you get to like put on your music, you put on your podcasts and you have the temperature controlled and you're, you're like in a nice, nice little cushy seat and the elements are off of you. But like it sort of does detach you a little bit from the struggle, the distance, the, the, uh, uh, just the, the amount of shit between you and point B, you know, that, that you have to get to like the thing that really, I mean, bicycling and like mopeds, motorcycles, all of that stuff, like have really taught me about living in New York as, um, pavement is fucking, uh, raspy as hell and a lot of potholes and you feel every last one of them and you're like oh this is something that you wouldn't even be aware of in a car is just how shitty the fucking roads are here and like it's something that you have to weigh out every time you even like get on the bike just like do i really want to have like my wrist bones rattled you know like for 30 minutes is it even (laughs) worth it for me to go there that way you definitely find the best places to get to get somewhere uh, or the best ways to get places. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, the smooth roads and everything to take mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And also from the aspect of like most people, when you're driving, you know, you don't think about you're in charge of a huge hunk of metal that weighs thousands of pounds. Yeah. You know, like that's it's a something, serious yeah. thing. You know, and then you get on that motorcycle, you know, and you get up on the BQE and all that Zen stuff really does. You you realize it quick. It's Mm -hmm. like this is a completely different thing. You're like, I can't believe it's legal that you can do that. Yeah, it it does seem kind of insane. Um, And it is super fun. But you 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 appreciate other vehicles on the road way more when you're the smallest vehicle yeah. out there and there's nothing between you and these other vehicles there's not a door and glass and yeah, and an framing and everything and a crumple zone and all of that shit like yeah man it like it purpose i that's kind of what i like about it that was like what my initial aversion was and i think what a lot of people's initial aversion is is just like oh that's dangerous you could die in an instant or you could be horribly crippled for the rest of your life you know like sure uh, but once you get on the thing and you have that sensation of like i am flying along the road uh there's a nothing else like that feeling but also it forces you into a state of of yeah of zen of um i'm not thinking about other shit right now because no, if my mind wanders, things. I'm dead, you know, yeah. and like it it really forces you into the present and you're not thinking about, you know, money. You're not thinking about relationships. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about like stupid stuff on Twitter. You're like not throttle, clutch, brakes. Yeah, you're thinking about not dying, but in a very healthy way, not in an unhealthy way. You're thinking about not dying in a healthy way. In about as much of a healthy way as you can, honestly. Yeah, I I think that, like, you know, for certain people, you have to be maybe forced or jolted into that level of consciousness because 
getting there through the discipline of meditating or whatever, like, you know, years of mindfulness, like maybe you'll never get there. But if you're just sort of almost accidentally thrust into it and you don't even realize at first, like, that's why people are into it. You're just like, oh, I just thought it would like look cool and like get me laid or whatever. But there's this whole other aspect where it's, mm-hmm. it brings you into this other state of mind where you're like one with the bike it's like an extension of your body and you feel like this whole other thing and it's 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 indescribable which is why but i wanted to talk to you about dig it. it chicks do dig it oh yeah but <laughs> this is why i wanted to talk to you about this because i feel like it's it's something that only people who uh have ridden can really understand in a weird way i mean mm-hmm. it's it's really just like a fat fast bicycle basically yeah. but like it, you get going at such speeds that like a bike could never do and all of a sudden it's this other thing and um but you know even when i talk to other just cyclists bicyclists um there is uh you know there's a there's a community there of just like especially like with like new york city new york city bicyclists like it's uh it's fucking crazy here. It's like on hard mode all the time. Like you have to like really have, you know, your wits about you. Um, like I, I saw a guy almost like fucking really get creams today. He somehow missed it, but like, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. The bikes is a whole different level, yeah. man. And those guys that it's a, it's a lot bigger community in New York just cause there's so many more of them. I think yeah. than motorcycle people use them more on a daily basis. Absolutely. But that's the thing is like, I think that's also goes along with people take risks on bicycles in the city a lot more than they do on motorcycles just because of the, you know, as tight a spot you can fit a motorcycle in you can fit a bicycle in a much tighter spot and people do it man yeah you know yeah i mean you know i i i've gotten to where i'm pretty cavalier on my bicycle um just because like i mean yeah a i'm on the thing every day and i do get kind of like uh impatient i guess and i'm just like you know what fuck it like i'm just gonna like take the hard way around here um, but also, I mean, a lot of the crazier maneuvers I do, I'm going like five miles an hour, you know, like the stakes sure. are, the stakes are a lot lower. Right. You know? I'm like, more talking about like, right. The guys that'll blaze through lights without thinking about it, you yeah, know, and going shit, the wrong like, direction yeah. or, you I, know, I can only get so insane. Like I, I, I definitely pull some you know, shady New York moves. Cause you have to just to like get around people. Oh, totally. Um, but, uh, yes, I, I, there, there is a cap to my, to my recklessness. Um, and it's so far so right. good. Like, I don't know. I mean, like knock on wood, I haven't, I haven't like really like eaten shit super badly. I, I had like a little spill a couple months ago, not a big deal. But like, other than that, I've been. I've but been yeah, that's good. like I'm not 17 anymore. If I take a risk, it's going to be a very calculated one, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. like that's even on the motorcycle. Like I'd be at it. Like you're not supposed to split lanes in New York, but do of course I'll lanes? do it. Like yeah, I mean, of course, when, yeah. Well, if you're not? sitting at a light, if you're sitting. If you're sitting and there's just a bunch of stupid fucking stationary cars behind you, and there is yeah. a motorcycle shaped hole in those cars that will take yeah. you right up to where you want to go 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or like Atlantic is a great example because it's got those stretches where it's like three lanes in each direction. But then that the curb lane, you know, people can park there, mm -hmm. you know, so it'll essentially block off the lane for the most part. But there's enough space to get a motorcycle through there. So, you know, during rush hour or whatever, you could just get over there and go between the parked cars and the cars that are in that middle lane, you know, and then go all the way up to the front of the light. And then get in front yeah. of everybody. I'm helping. I'm helping I mean, the flow. Yeah, of traffic. exactly. We are helping traffic. We are helping yeah. decongest traffic. I yes. think this would be a much better city if more people were. I mean, if if a we had a more robust and well funded public transit system. Yes, yes. But also, if we um, if 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 more people were on two wheel vehicles that took up you know just like a personal space whatever that is a scooter yeah. a motorcycle a moped a bicycle what have you a revel I think revel's great you know like yeah. there's the whole weird distrust of Silicon Valley and all of that stuff notwithstanding and a lot of people I rode are them around on those for a things, while but like they're fun and like honestly like anything that can get more cars off the road I am for I even like those like ugly ass bird scooters that everybody hates and they like. Throw into the Los Angeles River and stuff, and they're like, book these things. Like, I'm well, like, I think that's, that's the great thing. It's like, we road, don't, man. Like, yeah, we just don't have to deal with those a whole lot here. Like, they're around Austin too, and they are a problem in downtown Austin. Yeah, I mean, I bet, but like, I when people talk about like the level of cluttering, I'm like, okay, but like, you have normalized walking along a street and on each side of every street is just rows of parked cars every night, every yeah. street everywhere you go and that's fine and that's not viewed as like urban clutter but this is because it's new and we're not used to it Dude, those scooters that was a really interesting business model i don't know if you do this but the, when they started um so they would just show up at a city mm -hmm. and drop these things off like not go to the city council or any part of they didn't go through the city government to get permitted or anything like that so they would just show up at a right. city drop all these scooters off <laughs> and be like well that's that and so that's why there's not a lot of them around new york is because new york was one of the few cities that as soon as they dropped them off well the city of new york rounded them all up and put them in an impound right and so this is what i heard from somebody that worked at the company so that was a that was worth the loss for them. Like they could afford that money wise. They were like, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll never get those scooters back. Right. They're making but that's they're making our, millions, right. but they're like they you know lose like what what does it cost to build one of those fucking scooters? Ten bucks, I mean, twenty yeah, bucks, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, but that's an interesting. <laughs> that's interesting because like, I mean, with yeah, they, Revel with with Car to Go when that was happening and that's gone now, mm -hmm. but like. uh you know, then you have to play by the rules of like, you know, what the regulations are in this city for this type of right. Because it's vehicle. got a license plate on it. It's got a yeah. But like if it's just some bullshit, unregulated, you know, a little yep. thing, then, then that's a fucking Silicon Valley, like libertarian dream, baby. That is that is just the Wild West. You just put those things down. And you're like, yeah, I don't care. Like, but I have been to have Venice, them, too, the and they are throwing labor, them like, in the canal there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you made something that's available to the public that a human being can pick up and walk around with. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like you don't see Revel scooters get destroyed like that because you can't really pick one up by yourself. I mean, I've seen them parked every which way. I've seen them just, like, 
you know, discarded sure. on the sidewalk and shit. Like, there's some funky stuff that happens, but, like, I haven't seen him just, like, tossed into a tree or whatever the fuck. Like, you know, I don't see him just, like, hanging out in the middle of, like, Prospect Or hacked, Park. you know, yeah. your local homeless guy you see right in the neighborhood riding around on one of those things, and you're like, well, he's not paid for that, you know? I don't think he has a smartphone. <laughs> I don't know how he, uh, how he uh, unlocked that thing. <laughs> yeah, man, exactly. Yeah. There's got to be a way to hack those things now. I don't know. Um, yeah. Let's talk. Right. about mental health this is okay. mostly a mental health podcast um okay. and uh you know with we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into it we're getting into it now did you feel okay. the shift yeah um <laughs> in whatever details you feel comfortable um yeah. tell me a little bit about your uh mental health journey uh anything regarding uh depression anxiety therapy all of that stuff um you can start now and work back or you can you know work forward um i i mean i would say that i had a pretty normal uh mental wise um life up to mm -hmm. a certain point you know but all through like high school and college and stuff i mean i don't I didn't have a problem with depression. I was, I had moments of depression for sure. sure, but it wasn't a debilitating thing for me or anything like that. It was just normal growing up stuff. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until like, um, my, the first grandparent that I had die, she died when I was in my thirties. Is that right? Thirties. No. Late 20s, 30. Okay. When did she die? Um, but that one, I had already started doing comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was probably like early 2000, like 2000, 2001, sure. somewhere in there. Um, and that shook me oddly. Like I lost a bunch of weight. I lost like 30, 40 pounds hmm. after she died. But mental wise like it i i didn't slip into like a deep depression or anything a lot of it has to do with i have a good family and friends that, yeah. that i actually can honestly talk to about stuff and then um and then when i moved up here in 08 like in the last 10 years i've lost three of my closest friends wow. um all in different ways and so that kind of really <laughs> that's when i really all within a fairly short period of time two of them yeah um one friend committed suicide and then like uh a year and a half later another friend died in a car accident and then a few years after that another one died like within a year of of getting diagnosed with cancer Ugh. with brain cancer um so it was just like boom 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 and um and you just kind of notice <laughs> yourself not being as happy as much yeah you know um and your attitude just kind of changes um and it simplifies things for you um and then I think the thing that helped with those two was, again, going through those with certain groups of friends, Yeah, you know, um, that 
went through the same exact experience. And so you can all talk about it together. Yeah. Um, but then it really, that's when I did kind of notice myself not, um, like I've always been kind of a very open person and, and want to be friends with everybody. And at that point I could just kind of stopped like not being mean to everybody, but like taking the attitude of, all right, I don't need any more friends. Right. You know, I'm good on the friend right. side of things. Have enough. Of um, those. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is weird. Cause I am a social person and yeah. I will talk to anybody at a bar just mm-hmm. for the sake of talking to a person, you know, uh, cause you never know where the, where the conversation might go, right. but like on a personal level, you still, you throw up that wall sure. and you like, sometimes it's easier to talk to some random stranger at a bar because you know that that's going to end at some point. You don't have to get deep with that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then, um, you know, then when dad died, you know, my dad died, at, uh, yeah. in, um, uh, May of uh, 2020 mm. and that one broke my brain yeah you know to where I could physically and mentally be like okay you're you, you're not I didn't feel right right you know um, so that one has been tough yeah that's been the toughest one to deal with Right. I mean, um, of course, it's, it's, it's your dad. I mean, you know, like you can. Yeah. So let's, um, you know, that's some deaths and you've, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of that. And so like, I mean, a, um, having, you know, I mean, a grandparent die is like usually like kind of the first death experience that I think that most people have so far as just like, you know, cause yeah. just, logically statistically but um you it seems like you've gone through like a real process of uh learning you know just all the different variables and possibilities of death you know like just grandparent dies so that's one type of death friend dies of suicide that's one type of death oh friend just randomly dies in an accident that's another type of death and then like you know friend has cancer and it doesn't seem right and you know it's just like what, what the fuck they're so young and like you know and like there's like a, a grieving process before it even happens you're like all of that shit and then dad you know like yeah. so like it's almost like um you've experienced i mean you've experienced a lot of death which will happen like the longer you stay alive the longer, right. the more dead people you know, you know, right? Um, and that's but just you always one of the think of it as like, oh yeah, people will get older and they'll die, or you know, they'll get cancer, but they won't get cancer till they're like in their sixties or seventies yeah. or something, and they'll die and everything will be fine, you know. And then it's like, yeah, you know, and then you have no buddy blows his head off, mm. afraid gets killed at a, just by hit by a drunk driver, you know. Yeah somebody that blows a stoplight and then, you know, my dad just went into a, for a back surgery and then something happened in recovery. And, and the, yeah, the only one I got to say bye to was Andy, the one that died of cancer. Yeah. And that one was, you know, he gets diagnosed with it. 
goes, has a surgery, gets done with that. And like, we were even making plans to hang out because he was a comic too. And I had a gig in San Antonio and his brother lived in San Antonio. So he was like, Oh cool. Well, I'll just come, you know, stay with my brother and we'll hang out for the week in San Antonio. Cause yeah. I was in New York and Andy was living in LA at the time, you know? And then, yeah, it's like awesome. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, Oh, well I can't go to San Antonio now because I have to get another surgery done, you know? And then, and then it's like that slow realization of like, Oh, I see. Right. This We're not coming back from this. Right. You know, and yeah. then it's like, okay, well then it was like, make a trip out to LA to see him. And, you know, at that point he was in the hospital and half, half of it, half of his body wasn't quite paralyzed, but didn't work very well. Yeah. And, um, you know, he couldn't really talk very well. He could open his eyes and you could tell, um, you know, you could tell he understood and, and, right. and could recognize you and enough to where you could talk, you could talk to him, you know, and you could tell he was understanding you and he tried to communicate, but then it was just like the, you know, I mean, that was a cry and a hug thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then wham, the death thing was just like, fuck me, dude. Right. You know, cause that was a whole series of events too. It was like, my folks were getting ready to come up here um, and visit, you know, because my mom's from Connecticut. And so they come up once a year um, and see her family up here. And that got canceled because of COVID. And um, so we were working on something else because their 50th anniversary was coming up in June. So it was like, well, maybe we'll all meet somewhere for that or whatever. And then, yeah, he goes in for the surgery and then, you know, my mom calls and was like, something happened. Then it was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And then yeah. it was like, OK, we'll fly there. Yeah, fly here. And so ended up having to fly to Knoxville on Mother's Day of 2020. Um, Is that when he died? Did he die on Mother's Day? Well, no, we technically because we waited for my sister to get there right. and he was on a breathing too. He was brain dead. Right. Um and so he was on a breathing tube. And so we pulled that a couple of days after that, you know, let my sister get in town, go to the hospital, see him. And then this is a morbid question, but do they, down. do they let you actually pull the, like literally pull the plug or is that? No, cause that that's all nurse does, stuff. Right, nurse and that. it wasn't pulling a plug cause he wasn't on life support. He was just on a breathing tube. So it was right. physically them pulling the tube out ah. and then he breathes until until he can he expires at that point yeah so you know we go in there and then they have to be all formal and the nurse comes in and she's like all right i'm about to explain to you what's going to happen do you understand and we're like yeah. yep yep get on with it and so they pull the tube out and then you just kind of have to sit there by the bed and and wait um which we waited for an hour and then my mom was like hey let's get out of here um yeah because that yeah. was the other crazy thing like you didn't want to be. I mean, there and people that didn't know my dad, us. he was he was seventy eight, but yeah. he ran marathons and and uh, he was not seventy eight. He didn't look seventy eight. Neither of my parents. Seems like you got good. some longevity in your family. If your if your grandparents don't die until you're in your thirties or late twenties, then like you're doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, not bad. I mean, right. but 
yeah, I'm, I'm doing my damnedest to uh, counteract all that you right. know, with smoking and whatever else I can do. <laughs> Riding a motorcycle and shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, what's crazy about the human experience is that, you know, death can come to us in so many different ways and can come to anybody in so many different ways. And the way that it can happen is so varied and can be either kind of not super tragic or really insanely tragic to the point where it breaks your brain. Yeah. Um, just varying on so many other circumstances. Like when my grandparents, like I don't have any living grandparents anymore. When the last of them died, I was ready. Um, and they were ready. Like my, my grandmother, my last grandmother died of, Alzheimer's my other grandmother died of uh lung cancer and like it was a long protracted thing that like I understood uh you know from a young age it was like well yeah I mean grandparents die that's what happens like and they're old and like they're sick and there was this long time to prepare for it um but then just like Again, the more you live, the more dead people you know, the more death you encounter. And, you know, then having other circumstances where it's just like it just comes out of nowhere. You're just going about your fucking business. You're just having like a regular Tuesday and you're like, oh, what time am I supposed to do like this? And then then like somebody's dead and like it just completely, you know, it just yeah. completely derails everybody's everything you know um and it was just supposed to be like you had plans you had just like a whole like day or something you're supposed to go see a movie with somebody and then like you get a call and they're dead and you're like what the fuck like you know like that kind of shit can happen to people and then you know and then like i don't know there's also like ones with like your friend where you can kind of tell like it's probably going to go that way, but you're not really ready. It doesn't really matter. It's not like a grandparent situation where you're like, oh, well, it's maybe their time. They're, they got to go. Like, it happens. This is a circle right. of life kind of thing. It's just like, no, this isn't right. Like, and you're fighting it the entire time and you can't do anything about it. And they fucking die anyway. And, you know. But, and the, the hardest thing about the Andy situation, too, was was the fact that at that point like he knew how it was going to end up yeah you know so to have to say goodbye to him you know like we both he, you know we both understood that that was that was a a you know a goodbye that wasn't just me going to the airport and flying back right. home that was goodbye forever yeah and so that was that was really tough just knowing that that he knew that at that point too you know mm. that that was it man you know how do you want to die what would what would be the what would be the way you'd want to go quick quick you, yeah you you want a quick sudden i mean i feel like yeah. that's the best way right where you don't even know what hit you yeah yeah and um you know, because my the first grandma that died, she had a long, drawn out thing, which yeah. is like strokes and diabetes, and and she yeah. was in the nursing home for a really long time, and so we all kind of dealt with that, and 
and that was just that was tough to see her go through that yeah um you know but then you know both of my granddads were pretty quick i mean you know they both it was cancer with both of them you know lung cancer because they were both smokers but um but they both you know lived into their 80s yeah um but i remember like you know my granddad stopped chemo at one point uh the one i'm named after the tennessee one and um he died on in april and so the we spent christmas there with them and that was you know so four months before he died or five months before he died you know we were walking around their property out there and he's telling us stories about growing up and all that and he didn't he didn't seem like somebody who was dying and then right we did like at one point just me and him you know he was like hey man i just want you to know like don't worry right i'm i'm good right you know i'm fine with this i feel like i've lived long enough and and we're good so don't worry about that and so that really helped a ton that does help i mean Mm -hmm. the grand the grandmother i had that died of lung cancer um i got to hear her say that too and we got to have Mm -hmm. like sort of like a last visit with her um where you know she was just saying just like yeah i'm i'm fine i'm at peace with it i mean i'm a little young for this like she was she was on the younger side because she had my dad when she was really young but like um she was also just like yeah i'm 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 good like i did my thing you know my my kids grew up and like they're all independent and have kids of their own so like i feel like i I did a thing and I'm fine. But like, you know, with, with Alzheimer's with my other grandmother, like you don't really even know when your last real interaction was with them. Like when they right. were like fully gone, fully there. And like, there's this just weird, like fade out thing that happens where after a while, I mean, there were just like years where it was just like, I, I, this person doesn't know me. I don't know, know them. And like, you know, it's just, it, yeah. it's this person is this thing that like used to be my grandmother and like, you know, and I could see the toll that it was taking, like, you know, cause my mom was like her main caretaker. Um, and was just, you know, just like making all these arrangements for her. And, you know, there's this helplessness where like you see like, I mean, I'm sure that my grandmother knew, like, like, oh, man, man, like, you know, my daughter has to do all this shit for me. And, like, I'm putting her, I'm putting my family through all of this stuff. But, like, I can't help it. Like, this is just what happens. And, like, you know, and then, you know, being kind of young then, too, and just, like, not really being able to do anything to help either on, you know, on, on my end was just, like, I don't there's yeah, I'm glad I never had to deal with the Alzheimer's situation. Knock on wood. I mean, mom's going to be 80 this year. Yeah. And she, but she's in good health, too. Like, she's she's still putzing around. She doesn't sound like she's 80. She don't look like she's 80. But that, because that's a whole, with Alzheimer's, like, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. You're, because. Your brain's dying. Like, who you are is slowly fading away from you like it's and unimaginable. and it's messing with everybody that you love's yeah. brain in having to deal with you yeah. and like you said them not knowing when that last true honest interaction with you could have been yeah. because of that disease 
Yeah. It's yeah, a, man. It sucks, man. Like I, I, I have, I have a pact with my sister. I've said this before that I have a pact with my sister. Like if this is a thing that runs in our family and it does befall either of us. Yeah. We're going to have to just like make certain things happen to, that we don't have you had the shoot you in the head conversation yeah, basically. been like shoot, shoot yeah. me in the head yeah you're just, you're just, you're just gonna shoot me in the back of the head and like you know we're just we're just not gonna talk about it on a podcast i guess um so you know <laughs> hey parody this is all uh allegedly this is all you know uh uh comedy this is we're not really talking about this this is i didn't really this is satire i didn't really have this conversation with my sister exactly man it's a podcast everybody knows that by now right never yeah. trust anything you hear on a podcast so when your dad died, um, yeah. that sounds, I mean, like you said, that's, that really took it out of you. Um, yeah. What, what did that look like? How did that present itself? I mean, it, it was one of those where it's like, you know, since I had gone through deaths leading up to this, um, you know, it was kind of a little bit this false sense of like, well, I, kn I know what to expect. Right. You thought you, you know? were ready. Yeah. In some way. And I mean, it did help. Uh, you know, I'll say that it helped in, in some regards, but yeah. It <laughs> you know, to, to again, to not be able to say goodbye to this person that. Yeah. I mean, I've literally known my entire life. I'm he he's the reason that I'm here. Yeah. And and because of the relationship that I have with my folks, like I, I know I was loved my entire life. Like, honestly, you know, yeah, like that was always I mean, I love you was 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 used a lot. Um, and so not having that anymore it's like the things that i learned were like okay first off it's never going to get completely better yeah you know and don't try to fill that void with something else you can have a different relationship with somebody that's meaningful yeah. but you but don't get caught up in filling that hole and then and then when dad died it was like well there's you know that's not even a consideration because there's no way I could you realize how big that hole would be to that you would have to right. fill anyway and it's just it, it was it was a little overwhelming um and then yeah like i said it's a weird place to be when when it, when you feel your like you're tripping and you know that you didn't take any any drugs yeah you know where you just don't you're you're present in body only mm -hmm. you know and it was really i mean i was glad that it was a pandemic at that time and i didn't have to deal with a lot of people right. um not because i didn't want to but because the few times that i did well again i was just there i was on super duper autopilot did you have to you do know. like a like a Zoom funeral and shit? No, we got lucky. Um, <laughs> we got lucky. It was in Tennessee, so as anything oh, goes, right, pew, right. pew 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 Not pew. Nobody even fucking wearing a mask. <laughs> um, 
I mean, again, this was like, you know, a couple months in. This was May yeah. after we got locked down in March or whatever. Yeah. And so this was two months after that. Um, no, the the hospital um, let us in. I think part of that was because they know that they fucked up and they weren't going to let us right. know that they fucked up. Um, um, and they so I think a lot of it had to do with that. Like we were one of the lucky ones that like. Yeah, when I when I landed in Knoxville, my mom took me straight to the hospital. And of course, the doctor that took us in was his surgeon. And, you know, he was like, you know, just don't tell him you just flew in from New York or anything. Right. Um, and we're able to go into the ICU. That was the other thing, too, that probably helped is he was in the ICU. So it's blocked off rooms. It's not right. You know, he's in a room with somebody else or something like that. Um, so and then we were able to go in. You know, when they pulled the tube out, they let us go in for that uh, because, yeah, I understand a lot of people had to do that over Zoom. And yeah. then so when it came to the funeral, that was the big thing was mom was like, well, I don't want to do one now because not everybody's going to be able to come, but I want to get it over with. So, you know, uh, we had him cremated and then and then we had a small c ceremony at the. Um, uh, at the cemetery. Uh, you know, which is like a, a few family, like his sister and my uncle and two of my cousins drove up from Georgia. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of his childhood buddies drove up from, uh, from South Tennessee. And then there's, you know, we still have some family there and they were there, but it was right. still very, uh, small thing. And then we did do a service at the church a couple of months later. Um, but again, that was, ju we just did it to do it, right. you know, cause there was no end in sight with this. And it was like, well, when are we going to do it? Let's right. just do it now. Um, which was as soon as the church would let us do it. And, you know, I don't, maybe 50 people came to that or so, Yeah, but it um, was, uh, so. so I've heard you talk about this a little bit. It was like a, like a medical malpractice sort of situation right this was, well, yeah, it was just a routine surgery this wasn't supposed to happen and yeah so he went in for a back surgery and um so the way the whole day went down was um they came in after the surgery and told my mom hey uh the surgeon you know said hey everything went great you know yeah. uh uh and commented on how good a shape my dad is in. Right. And then, so I get that call from mom and then, you know, 15 minutes later I get another call from her and she's like, Hey, something happened. And, uh, what, what did that call feel like? Well, you're not thinking the, you're still not thinking the worst. Cause it's just like, mm. I guess part of that too, was the way I looked at my dad. Like, well, it's not he's, yeah. he's perfectly healthy. There's no reason for him to die. It was just like, oh, OK, something something weird happened. And then again, it was the way my mom explained it to me, which is how they explained it to her. You know, right. That 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 he had seizured at some point. And so they um, so they knocked him out so he wouldn't uh, seizure again and do more damage to himself. Right. And they were just waiting for him to wake up. Right. They were like, okay, got a little weird in there. Right. You know, we said it was fine, but now that we're, now that we think about it, 
It was a little weird. Like, he did kind of have a seizure, but he's definitely not about to die. Is that how it was put to you? Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, to the point of, like, them saying, you know, we saw some eye movement, so we're just waiting for him to wake up. Right. Um, you know, and then that turned into, well, this is something more serious. Ugh. And um, then... Yeah, it just didn't feel like we were getting the full story. And then the last time I talked to one of the nurses was, um, yeah, the um, Saturday morning before Mother's Day. And, um, you know, they were like, well, he's we're going to go take him to get a, a MRI or EKG or whatever yeah. later on in the day. And we'll know more then. And then they come back from that and they're like, yeah, well, he's he's brain dead. And it was just like, well, what, what? Yeah. And um, I mean, that's the moment. I mean, like, because that's there's no coming back from that, obviously. Like, that's it. And, right. And that was, you know, team of doctors. Yeah. Is there anything else we could do? Um, you know, no. OK, well, then still trying to figure out what exactly had happened and they didn't have a real answer for it. And yeah. so the official cause of death was anoxic brain injury, which is lack of oxygen to the brain. Right. And, um, so then that's, so then I start Googling that and, um, you know, it turns out, you know, because like you could hold your breath for a couple of minutes and you're not yeah. going to damage your brain. Yeah. So you get terminal brain damage. You're looking at about eight to 10 minutes without oxygen to the brain. And this is somebody who was in a recovery room after a surgery. How did they go eight to 10 minutes without oxygen to the brain? Yeah. And um, yeah, the hospital didn't really have an answer for that. Um, and apparently they don't have to give you a clear answer for it. But then again, in Googling it, the, the most, it's very common for that to happen. Um, you know, when anesthesia is involved, the anesthesiologist yeah. messes up somewhere along the line and that's what can cause that. And so, you know, we did the whole thing of getting the hospital records and, and taking them to different lawyers and, you know, a couple of the lawyers, um, you know, they all have doctors that will look at these records. Yeah. And so the first two that we took it to um, were like, yeah, we can tell something isn't quite right here, but there's nothing to actually prove, right. you know, that they did something wrong. And then the third lawyer we took it to, which was funny because other people had suggested him and he had had cases similar to this with this particular hospital. Um, and that's the problem is finding a doctor that's willing to testify against that hospital first off. Right. Cause they all work for the hospital. Because they all work at that hospital. <laughs> right. And it's not like you can get some guy from New York, a doctor from New York to look at him and then, and then sue or, right. you know, go up in court. And it's actually the, really uh, hard to just become a doctor on your own. Yes, you can't, you can't just do to find that. out even in Tennessee. It's yeah. a little more than an online form, which I was, <laughs> that's what I was hoping. But right. no. Um, and the tort laws in Tennessee are set up this way too to protect hospitals. 
um, which was again, a little education that I got. So, so the third lawyer, his doctor looks at him and, and then I called the lawyer and he's like, yeah, my guy said if he had to get up in a court of law, that he would say that the chances are that, that my dad had a stroke at some point. And I'm like, okay, well that's fine. But the hospital said they tested for that and heart attack, you know, all that stuff. And, and it didn't seem like that that was it. And then I was like, well, why is my lawyer's doctor saying if he had to get up in court, he'd testify in favor of the hospital instead of the person that, and was like, okay, so this is basically a dead end. So, you know, our only other option is like, get a hold of a state senator or something. And my mom's like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be done with this. Right. You know? And so, you know, that's it. So Fort Sanders regional medical center in Knoxville though. Um, if you have any family that lives in that area, tell them they may want to consider getting their surgery done at somewhere else. UT medical center or something. Oh boy. Uh, how did you feel during all of this? I can only imagine there was like a lot of anger. A lot of frustration. Yeah, frustration. A lot yeah. of frustration. Just because, like, you can't... <laughs> the fact that they don't, you know, that I don't still have a clear answer. Yeah. Would it have felt better to... if there was, like, a something you something or someone you could pinpoint that's just, like, they fucked up and that it's on them? Like, even if you couldn't necessarily... Oh, of course. You know. And I'd probably have a million dollars in my bank. <laughs> right. There's also right that. Too. But I mean, there's I mean, like nothing's going to like bring your dad back. So like, right. you know, I mean, yeah, just, it, well, just the frustrating part is, is knowing that they probably know yeah. how it happened and they're not telling us for legal reasons. Yeah. You know, like his surgeon won't talk to me about that stuff. He won't go talk to my lawyer because he works for that hospital. Because I even asked him, I was like, well, would you be willing to talk to my lawyer and just just explain to him, you know, what happened that day, mm-hmm. you know, from your side of things, you know, like when you walked back into the recovery room, what did you see going on? That kind of thing, because uh, that was part of the story he told me was that he talked to my mom and then he was on the way to check on my dad. And then that's when the the notice went out um, that my dad was code blue and. Right. That, that he wasn't getting oxygen. And so he said he got to the recovery room and, uh, you know, um, at that point, there's nothing he can do. Right. You know, and I was like, well, will you go at least talk to our lawyer and just explain it? And he was like, dude, I do you understand that I would have to call the hospital and they're going to make me bring a lawyer with me to talk to your lawyer? Yeah. You know, I can't do that because if he does that, he's out of a job right yeah so that's the frustrating part is to know that somebody in there knew what knows what happened to my dad and we'll never find out because if we do find out then the hospital will have to pay us a lot of money (laughs) it's just i mean but like what do they expect you to i mean it's like not the problem what do you expect me to do like just like be like oh well this shit happens like what are you gonna do do, do, and just like be cool with it like i don't know what they fucking think people are how people are gonna act but like it's almost as if there's like a real big intrinsic problem with uh so much money being involved in healthcare that where it's just like you know bajillion dollar hospitals and 
you know, things things like that capital being involved in in people's healthcare i don't know it's almost like yeah like maybe maybe they don't always have your best interests in mind when yeah. you go to the hospital it's almost like that i mean i'm not going to say it's exactly yeah, like that i mean that, that would be crazy though that would, what kind of barbaric society would that be if like they might like be that? motivated by money rather than telling somebody the truth but i doubt that i mean these are these are good organizations we're talking about here these are good people clearly they're there to help they're heroes right they're heroes not to okay not to sympathize with uh you know any of those doctors or uh hospital board people any of the fucking lawyers involved in this but i do think about like putting myself in that in the shoes of like a surgeon and having that level of responsibility for like life and death and knowing that a part of your job is just like one day, like you could do a bajillion of these, right. And then one day something gets fucked up, somebody dies and then you are responsible for somebody's life. Like, I mean, I, I mean, felt, a, like, I feel a little bad for yeah. my dad surgeon because he's an orthopedic surgeon. Right. He's not even like a, a heart guy or anything like that. Right. Like the, my dad's the first guy that's died on him. Oh, like, is that is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's an orthopedic surgeon. He's yeah. just working on like home dude tore his muscle playing tennis yeah. or golf or some shit, you know, uh, not he's not having to crack people's chests open and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so you could tell that he was visibly shook. Um you know, he had never had to have that conversation before with a right. patient or with a patient's family, you know. Um, but, you know, as shook as he was, that's not going to mean that we're going to get this call from him tomorrow and him being like, look, I want to do the right thing here. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just I, 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 I can't imagine what it would be to take on that level of, you know, like I walk dogs and like if if one of my dogs like steps on a piece of glass or like gets mauled by another dog or something like the level of like guilt and like shame and like, should I even be doing this? And why, like, why can't I even do this shit? Like that washes over me is just like crazy. So like, you know, it's just, I don't know. Well, yeah. Imagine you're walking a dog through an intersection and all of a sudden, you know, this SUV comes blazing by tags, the dog kills the dog. And then they get out of the SUV and they're like, oh, hey, man, by the way, this is uh, Rudy Giuliani that we're right. transporting around and you are not allowed to say anything about this. So this never happened. So then you have to go back to the owners of that dog and be like, hey, man, your dog died. But I can't tell you how your dog died. Yeah. Legally. It's I mean, it's, it's got to be crazy. Like if you, if. Yeah, I don't know. This this sort of thing has happened to other walkers and like, God forbid this sort of thing ever happens to me. But like, yeah, you know, accidents happen, leashes break or like, you know, there's a reckless driver or whatever. You're crossing the street and somebody just, you know, like you have the light and somebody goes through and like shit happens. Um, luckily, that's never happened to me. But like, there's also not this like insane bureaucracy behind walking dogs where I wouldn't be able to just like level with the people and be like, Hey, uh, 
you know, a motorist fucked up or even just be like, I fucked up. I wasn't paying attention and I'm so sorry. Like to just be like able to like level with people and just be like, yeah, I, yeah. I, didn't, do, I didn't do right. Like, and, and not be able to even like say that to somebody because there's all these like millions of dollars and all these, like the hospital's reputation and all this bullshit, like involved with this like company running this hospital that like, you can't even fucking talk about it. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. And I don't know what changes they need to make in the tort laws or get rid of them all or whatever, but it's definitely everybody that we talked to was like, yeah, the tort laws in Tennessee are, are set up to protect the hospitals, not protect the patients. What's a, what's a tort law? Can you, change. can you explain that? Real quick? I, no, <laughs> no. Cause it's been so long since I looked it up. I mean, right. I can look it up right now and see if it refreshes any memories no. uh, or just read you the Wikipedia version of it. Tort law. Yeah. So that's a flourless cake. Yeah. I know okay. that's a wait. Yes, it is a flourless cake. Uh, okay, here we go. A tort in common law is a civil wrong that causes a claimant to suffer loss or harm resulting in legal liability mm. for the person who commits the tortuous act. It can tortuous in... act? Yeah. Is that like, as in like torture? Is is that how it's spelled? No, 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 no. T-O-R-T-I-O-U-S. Infliction of, it can include intentional inflation, but this doesn't. Right. So it's basically like, you you fuck up and somebody is dead or maimed as a result and what to do with the law. Right. After that. Okay. Okay. Involves claims in an action seeking to obtain a private civil liberty, civil remedy, typically monetary mm. damages. Okay. Okay. So, um, do you feel at this point, cause it's been over a year, yeah. Um, since all of that happens, um, how, where are you at with it now? Have you been able to like find some closure? Have you been able to, um, kind of yeah. level out in some way? Yeah. I mean, you know, the closure was there, um, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but it was the, I mean, it really did. It broke my brain. I didn't feel right for, um, Yeah, maybe for, I mean, for over a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I started feeling right, you know, towards the fall. Yeah. This past fall. Um, where, yeah, where things started to feel normal. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of that haze or looking down on yeah. yourself, you know, watching yourself go through life. Right. Is that, is that kind of what, it, what it felt like, like a, like a weird dissociation almost? Yeah. 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 And then it was, it was like this low body hum where it did feel like, you know, taking a good solid half dose of acid. Right. You know. Right. Um, um, but just without the cool visuals and right. stuff. And, and the giddy uppity feeling. Right. It was, you know, yeah, mainly just like kind of like the weird disorienting feeling. Yeah, just not there, just glazed, little glazed. What was it that you think um, 
helped you kind of move along? Was it just the march of time or was it, um, you know, anything else? Yeah, it was. It really was just the march of time. And it was it was. Again, going back to the experience with the other deaths, just. That made it easier. If I hadn't gone through those, I think I'd be in way worse of shape. I would yeah. I would have just crumpled. Um, and again, it was friends, you know, what I, I did travel some, you know, when, um, you know, went and saw my friends in Texas, um, and then, you know, been to Tennessee more times than I have, you know, I used to go once a year and, and I've been, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, a couple times that summer, uh, you know, a fair amount. So just being around family and friends helps out a ton. Yeah. You know, cause again, a lot of these people I've shared one of these other deaths with too, you know? And so we have that too. Um, and some of them have lost, you know, one of their parents, uh, you know, I've one friend that, that lost her dad in a plane wreck a Oof. few years back, you know? So very similar sudden thing. Yeah. It's just like one minute they're there and the next minute they're gone. And it's like, I didn't even have, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, the last thing I said to my dad was, uh, you know, phone conversation about the surgery. And then it was like, all right, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow when you get out of surgery. Love you. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I can't stress enough friends and then being willing to talk about this stuff too. You know, yeah. that's like, I want to talk about, it. I don't want to cram this stuff down. Yeah. You know, um, the girl that I'm dating gets on me a little bit. She's, she lost both of her parents within like three years of each other, about 10 years ago. And we started dating after dad died. Uh, but, uh, but she'll get on me. She'll rub me a little bit for not being as open as she would like sometimes. And that's like, what do you want me to do? You know, it seems like you're pretty <laughs> open about it, man. I don't know. I, I mean, just, again, this right. is like the first real conversation we've had. And you've told me all about it. So I don't know. I just play this episode for her, I guess. Yeah. It's um, like, I don't know. You're gonna have to try a little harder to get me to cry or something. If that's what you're going for. <laughs> that's not what I'm going yeah. for. I mean, <laughs> you are welcome to, of course, this is a safe space for all of that, but that's not what I'm going for. I'm not trying to make my guests cry. Um, but, um, as a comedian, I mean, this is something that obviously since you, most of what you talk about is more kind of like personal experience stuff. And you do talk about this on stage um how what was like walk me through the process of like making something funny out of um out of what's happened i mean that you know the because that's just kind of how i deal with things too like it was kind of the bummer part about the pandemic i mean it was, like i said it was good in a way that that everybody was kind of shut off then so yeah. it, it let me deal with with certain parts of it but another part for me you know is the doing stand-up helps me out a ton mentally right and um, it took that catharsis away from you not being able to perform as as frequently 
Yeah. And just performing, not even being able to talk about it on stage, but just being able to perform and get that, um, you know, for my mental health uh, sucked. So then it was just like, okay, well, let's sit down and talk and think about this. Right. You have to actually face it without like making little jokes about it and shit or like, you know, going up and being cute on stage and like getting some attention. You have to just like sit with that shit. Just just sit with the tragedy of it. Yeah. And then like, okay, how what do I want to say to people? Yeah. And how do I want to say it? How much do I want to tell them? And. And then, yeah, just trying to figure out where the funny is in there. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> what's funny is like I I've since I've started talking about my dad, I've got good responses from people about it, which is nice. And um, but at the same time, you know, it was like we were, we were doing a show in Asheville and and it was a great it was a great show and it was a really good set. Yeah. But, you know, I got, you know, towards the end of that dad joke and one of the lines in there you know one of the girls in the crowd audibly was just like oh man this is dark <laughs> you know and yeah. it's like yeah yeah but you know it, you're also laughing at it so you know we're all okay we're all okay yeah. yeah you know yes it's dark but this is also life man and and hope and if you laughed at it then you could probably relate it to it on some level you know right um but I'd rather talk about that than, you know, than just sit around and try to think of a bunch of hacky set up punch jokes that yeah. have nothing to do with me. Is this I mean, probably, but is this like the most like kind of real and personal shit that you've that you've talked about on stage and trying to well, like yeah. into a joke? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, like you said, I I my style of comedy is just talking about my life a lot. Yeah. And, but like my friend's desk, like I don't, I've never talked about them on stage. Yeah. And, or dealing with any part of that on stage, you know, I did the And, you know, to me, that was just kind of like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Mm. Uh, and what was different about your dad's death? That was like, I have to bring this out onto stage because it, it was that big because it was something that did break my brain right. and something that I, that I wanted, you know, I, I can't hide that I'm dealing with that, you know? Um, and so, and I felt like it was important too. Yeah. Um, just the way everything went down and, you know, my mom doesn't want me mentioning the hospital's name on stage or anything, but I'm not. Why? What know, the fuck I, are they going to do? Right. Exactly. You know, that's kind of my thing is like, so it's not necessary for the joke. But right. when I am in Knoxville, I do say Fort Sanders Regional Medical Center. Sir. I will call them. Sure. Out. We'll put them. Um, in the, we'll put them in the show notes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll tag them. We'll tag them on the <laughs> socials and everything. So that part of it is is very very therapeutic for me to to get up there and be like, yeah. no, this is this is what my dad died and this is exactly how it happened. Yeah, you know, and this sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I think I found some humor in it. 
you know? I think, yeah, I think, I mean, like that bit is um, really great uh, that, that, that you've developed out of it. So oh, thanks. I mean, Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's, you know, you could probably make a whole fucking special out of it if you wanted to. But, you know, it's it's, it's up to you how much fucking material you want to yeah, derive that, from personal tragedy. That thing does have some legs on it. So we'll just see how far it decides it wants to run. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to slow it down. If it wants to run the full on marathon, then that'd be very fitting. Right. Uh, one last marathon for dad. <laughs> Trey you Galleon, know. thank you so much for being on the show. This was fucking yeah, man, great, man. Um, uh, is there anything you would like to uh, plug? Uh, socials, uh, any shows coming up? Let us know. Oh, yeah. At Trey Galleon, T R E Y G A L Y O N, on Twitter and Instagram. And then I do a podcast with my buddy Jeff Tate, who's also a comic, and his brother Troy. Uh-huh. And we just changed the name of it. It's called Plugs, P-L-U-G-S, Plugs, the podcast. Okay. Um, is, it, is it all just about plugs? Like, it's only the plug section of uh, of every podcast? No, it's about hair. Ah. You, you no, have a decent... it's not about hair. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't listened to it, so I don't know if you're bullshitting me or not. It's for electrical contractors. <laughs> um, no, we started as like a movie draft podcast, okay. and then we got tired of that, and we were like, well, let's just have another podcast, and we we're trying to come up with a name, and, and, and then it was like, well, yeah, let's just call it Plugs, where we'll plug just things in our life, you know? Yeah. Like, who knows what I'll plug? Maybe I'll plug Prospect Park. Okay, you know, last like, question. Yeah. Um, as you're, you're Trey Galleon Third, technically. Carl Galleon Third. Carl, okay. Because Trey comes from, comes from nickname. three. Is, nickname. Uh-huh. Nickname is three. Yep. Okay. I would, my question was going to be, like, why don't you go by the third? Because that is such a uh, uh, cool fucking suffix. Yeah, because it sounds snooty. I'm Carl Benjamin Galleon the Third. That's a fucking cool name. You know, so my my name is Bradley James Pearson, um, but my dad's name is Julian Alfred Pearson Jr. And I could have been Julian Alfred Pearson the Third. See, that's way better than Carl Benjamin Galleon the Third. I don't know. They're both pretty good. Um, but like any, anytime you get to put the third on there, you get to have a, you get to have a, like Roman numerals in your fucking name. How cool it like, that's way cooler than junior for sure. Oh, it's still in my signature. I still yeah. have Roman. I put the Roman numerals in my signature. You get to do three. You get to have some. Yeah. I mean, that's so fucking cool. And I have it on my back tattooed on my back. I've got a Roman numeral three tattooed on my back. So yeah. yeah, man, I represent. But uh, it's just, it was always easier growing up. Like, I was going to ask, Carl I was Jr. also going to ask, like, I mean, like, Trey, I, I I don't know of a whole lot of, like, boomers or, like, uh, like greatest generation people named Trey. So was, that was going to be, that was going to be another follow-up question about the name. Is, oh, yeah. Like, there's no, no way your but, granddad's name was Trey. Nope, Carl. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. That makes yep. a lot more sense. Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up for me. This was great. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Right. Thank you once again to Trey Galleon. Nice guy. Thank you so much for your for just bringing it. For just bringing some death talk to a stranger. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I 
appreciate you. I appreciate all of you for listening once again. You can follow me at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. You can email the show at uh, selfworst at gmail.com. And uh, help us out. Uh, tag us on Instagram. Uh, you know, take a little screenshot uh, as you're listening and tag it. Put it up on your on your stories. That would help us out. That's a cool thing to do. Rate and review on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, my podcast is still on Spotify because um, I don't have enough clout and I don't really care about Joe Rogan. I don't give a shit. I mean, I don't like him, but like, I don't care if he's on there or not. I really just, I, I don't, bro, I don't care about anything anymore. I don't care. I want to like live in my apartment and I want me and my girlfriend and my dog to be happy and healthy. And that's all I fucking, I don't care. Spotify controversy and all that stuff. I, I have, I am neutral. I don't give a shit. I do like Neil Young. So, I mean, if I had to pick a side, I guess that's who I would go with, but whatever. Music is by Shea Bartel. Theme song was written by Shea Bartel and me, Brad Pearson. I'm Brad Pearson, by the way. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.